Well, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do communion today at the end of our time together. We're just gonna kind of close our worship time with uh, being at the Lord's table. So, uh, as I was saying earlier, we were at the our uh, district conference this past week, and uh, it was it was awesome as always. Um, God's God was just doing so much, just. You know, it's fun just to get together with, with other people from different places and just worship Jesus and and uh, interact and see. We met, you know, on the last night we just met this met this couple. Uh, it's a Hispanic man and an, and a white girl. <laughs> we can say that, right? It's still it's still politically correct to say white girl. Um, <clears throat> I mean, this is like a white blonde white girl, blue eyes, blonde hair. And so we're like, hey, nice to meet you. How are you doing? And they're like, where, where are you? Where are you at? Oh, we're we're planting a church in El Paso, and it's uh, it started out as a Spanish church, and now we're bilingual. And uh, you know, we're planting from uh, hit the 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 guy's dad was a four square pastor in uh, Juarez, Mexico, and so uh, they were planting from Juarez into El Paso. Uh, but it was just like you see this this combination. You're like, man, what's your story? How did you two get together? And does she speak Spanish too? You know, I mean, just all kinds of stuff. White girls can speak Spanish too, right? Right, John? So um, it was just cool. But I mean, they were just so joyful. They were full of life. I mean, you could just tell they just love, love Jesus. And we're like, man, we've never met you before. How long have you been there? We've been planting for three years. I'm like, how cool, you know? And so uh, there's a church plant in El Paso. I don't even remember their names. Pablo and. Stacy. So if you want to pray for Pablo and Stacy, they're awesome and they're planning a four square church in El Paso. And so if you remember them, but just but it's just fun. You just meet you meet you see the kingdom. The kingdom is always bigger uh than than you think. You know, we sometimes get stuck in our little our little kingdom. You know, it's like the kingdom we think the kingdom is just my life, you know. It's like we're so focused on just me and what's going on with me. And it's good to get outside of your routine. I mean, that's what we did. We just got outside of our routine a little bit. You know, my Wednesday routine is generally the same, but this week it was different. And so I wasn't here with you, and I'm, I sure missed that on Wednesday night with those of you in the foundations class. Uh, we, we missed seeing all of you and hearing, oh man, hearing uh, John Harper, you know, speaking at youth. And I saw the video on Instagram, and it's so cool. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was such an awesome time. God really just spoke some, some things to us and, and renewed some things. One of, the, one of the biggest things that challenged me was I went to this workshop on evangelism. And it was with this couple who were planning a church in like urban New Orleans. And again, we're talking another gringa. <laughs> Another really white white girl, uh, and you're thinking, I mean, she's she's like a makeup artist, like she has a makeup business, right? Makeup artist is that what it's called? I don't know anything about makeup. <clears throat> I just know I don't wear it. Okay, <laughs> but um, and my wife does. Um, but so she's a makeup artist, and she got she had an encounter with Jesus that changed her life. She grew up in church. She was a pastor's kid. I mean, she knew the 
she knew the church thing and she had done, you know, all kinds of stuff, but she had never encountered Jesus like this. And she had a 30-day encounter with Jesus. I mean, she didn't go into details, but I don't know what that means. I don't know if it's just every time she had free time and turned to Jesus that he was just pouring out on her, but she had a 30-day encounter with Jesus. And so, and she said, it was just like love touched my life for the first time. Like, just overwhelming love. And I will tell you that. Like, after me, you know when you meet those people that go, you love Jesus more than I do. And you love people more than I do. I meet people like that all the time. But... (laughs) But you love Jesus more than I do. It's like, wow, you could, just, you could just feel her love for Jesus. And so now this, she, she had this encounter with Jesus, and so she goes, don't even remember their names, don't, don't know who, who they are, I'll have to look them up on the Foursquare Church directory, I guess, or something. But she went to her husband, who at that time was still a Baptist. Okay? And she said... Jesus has, has called me to the least of these. That's what he told her in one of the encounters. Is like, Lord, what should I do? He said, go to the least of these. So who should I go to? She, and God told her, look, I want you to go to the streets and minister to the prostitutes and the drug addicts. So she goes to her husband and says, hey, I'm going to go down to the streets of New Orleans and I'm going to minister to the prostitutes and I'm going to share, share Jesus with them. And he's like... Uh, yeah, no, you aren't. <laughs> but he didn't, he didn't stop her. This is great. So even though he's like, I don't even understand why in the world you'd want to do that or what's, what's, what's wrong with you. But he said, I'm going with you. You're not going down there by yourself. And that was a wise move, of course. Not safe. You don't just do street ministry by yourself. Um, so they start going down there. And she just starts loving people. And they've been doing it for four years now. And so they have a church they planted. They started about a year ago that's in urban New Orleans, meet somewhere. They pick people up in the bus. I mean, they've got all kinds of people. They've got people that come in high. They've got people that are coming into their meeting drunk and crazy. They've got ones coming off the street that are trying to, you know, they want to get out of the life they're in. They're, they're, they're being trafficked. You know, they're in prostitution. Um, you know, may, they maybe have grown up in that, don't know... How to get out, or you know that there is even a way out, and uh, it was just you heard story after story, and the overwhelming theme was we're just going, we're going with love. They said this. I need to pull up my notes here. Let me pull them up. Took notes on my phone because I'm trying to be cool. Um, didn't have any paper either. Um, the truth comes out, yeah. I always take, I always like to use my phone at these conferences. It's, it's good because then you can pull them up. I can go back to all my conferences that I've had with this phone and like, oh, hey, there's that one. So they said this right, out, right at the start. So he later, of course, got filled with the Holy Spirit and he's prophesying to people on the streets and all kinds of stuff. So he's, he's, he's four square now. He's spirit filled. He's not a Baptist anymore. Um, just like some of you, you're not a Baptist anymore, huh? <laughs> But they said this, evangelism is an offspring of romance. Well, you're like, oh, wow. So in other words, some of you are like, 
if you don't get the spiritual symbolism. Think about it. In other words, it's out of my love for Jesus, my love romance with Jesus, that I share Jesus with people. She said, man, there's all kinds of people that come down to the streets of New Orleans and they've got the signs and they've got the shouting and they've got the, you're going to hell! And they've got all this stuff and they go up to people and they get them to pray a prayer and then they walk away. And they're like, the person's still in the same place. I know, it's great you checked off your checklist that said, I prayed the sinner's prayer with somebody. That's not evangelism. Checking off a box. Going to someone and leaving them where they're at. I mean, I was really challenged because it's like sometimes we do that. We just want to, oh man, you're all good now. You, you, you prayed the prayer, so see you later. I mean, that's not, what, that's not what Jesus would have us do. And so they talked about just evangelism with the heart of God. That it's not about you. That we have empathy, not sympathy. We don't allow anyone to be a victim. And I don't have to be right. I love the story where uh, the gentleman, whatever his name was, was talking about, um, he was down on the streets and he started talking with this guy and the guy started arguing with him. And he doesn't argue with people anymore. He says, all we do is go, we, we share the love of Jesus. And if someone wants to argue with us, we just say, oh, that's great. God bless you. And he walked away from the guy. And so the guy comes after him, finds him. Hey, man, man, what's wrong with you? What kind of Christian are you? What's wrong with you, man? Don't, don't you, I'm, I'm trying to tell you that you're wrong and all this stuff. Hey, that's great, man. God bless you. See you later. Walks away from the guy again. And so then the guys, you know, they're doing stuff on the street. He's trying to interact with other people. The guy comes up to him. Hey, hey man, what's, what's wrong with you? You're the weirdest Christian I've ever met. You don't want to argue. Man, if we're known as being the ones who argue, man, we've got a problem. We've got, we've got a serious problem. Because that's all that on that street with this guy. Again, it's not everybody. I get that. But there's a lot of people that think, believers in Jesus, that all they want to do is argue about who's right. Like, ooh, got a little bit quiet here in this church. <laughs> He's like, I don't have to be right. I'm not here to be right. I'm here to share the love of Jesus. It's up to them to receive. And it's, I mean, it's so full of love. I mean, these people are like dripping with the love of God. You know, they're not, they're not being like, oh, who cares about you? No, no, he loves this guy. And so the guy comes at the beginning and says, you know, what's, what's wrong with you? And so he turns to him and says, let me tell you, I'm not going to argue with you. And I'm not responsible for your soul. I'm not, I'm not responsible for your soul. You know, it's, it's not up to me. I, I'm supposed to do what I'm supposed to do, and that's it. I'm not responsible for how you respond. And so he walks away from him again. And I've, you know, I've even heard the sermon, you better, you're responsible for the souls, you know. Look, God's responsible for the souls. We're responsible to obey him. What is he telling us to do? What is he, what is he calling us to respond to? Is he calling you to speak to someone? Then speak to them. If he's not calling you to speak to them, don't try to speak to them. If he's calling you to pray for them, pray for them. If he says, hey, it's not the time to pray, it's not the time to pray. I just love their heart where they're not trying to... And look, they're seeing people come in. They're, they're saying, I mean, they've seen heroin addicts just get delivered instantaneously. 
Just right there on the spot, they encounter Jesus, boom. No more cravings, no withdrawal symptoms. Heroin is in, incredibly hard to get off of. Just instant deliverance. They've seen people that don't get instantly delivered and they ship them to rehab. But what really got to me was like the love. You know, we talked about love last week. We were talking about, you know, the, the acting like heaven is love. And I was thinking, oh man, this is, this is, this is what it is. You know, this, this is what love looks like. This, this is what love feels like. This is what love sounds like when they're sharing the testimony. God, I need a, I need a, I need a, I need a baptism of love. I need more love in my heart. Because, man, their love is causing them to go after people and to love people and to be there for them. They're not just praying a prayer and leaving them on the street. They're saying, we're going to sit with you here and we're going to walk you through your life. We're going to find a way to get you help. We're, we're going to be there for you. So that was one of the most challenging things for me was really just that that picture, and again, you know, you got a, this girl is just like the this sweet little brunette with like this all makeup face, all sweet, and she, you know, I mean, it's just so amazing. Like, oh, this has got to be God, you know? And she's like, look, I was never on drugs. I never even smoked pot. I didn't. I grew up just a church girl. I didn't do anything, you know, super bad, quote unquote. And now God is sending her to the prostitutes on the streets of New Orleans. Because he, she's equipped with the love. She's full of God's love. And so when we're full of God's love, we can cross all kinds of barriers. You know, one of the other challenges at our, uh, at our conference was on unity. That as, as human beings, we tend to gravitate towards likeness. In other words, we, we tend to get together with people that are just like us. You know, we don't want to hang around with the people that disagree with us, that act different than us, that dress different than us, that, that live their life different than us. You know, we tend to naturally, we will gravitate toward the people that are like us. Oh, you like that thing? I like that thing. Oh, you like this kind of sport? I, you like to do this in your time? I like to do that thing. We, we are just, it's, it's just going to happen. You're going to gravitate toward your age group, your ethnicity, your likes and your dislikes. And you have to be intentional, but unity is about everybody coming together. You can never have unity if everybody is, is committed to just being with people like themselves. I mean, look at our country. We've got disunity like crazy. We're arguing over all kinds of crazy stuff. And I'm not going to get into that because I'm going to get in trouble if I say something <laughs> about whatever. <laughs> so I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. I won't. I've already decided, babe. <laughs> but if you personally want to hear my opinion on things, you can come talk to me. Because I might be different than you. And you're like, I'm not hanging around you anymore. You're not like me. So we, we're scared of differences sometimes. We're, we're scared to have the conversation. We're scared to have the, the dialogue. I mean, that's one of the problems right now. We've got people just shouting at each other. You're, this is my opinion. This is You know, we're never going to get unity that way. And unity doesn't mean you know, we agree on everything. You know, when we talk about unity in the church, you know, you're never going to get the church to agree on every single thing in the Bible. It's not going to happen. Just like you're not going to get, you know, you get a bunch of people together who are Dallas Cowboy fans, right? Okay, is there any Dallas Cowboy fans in here? Okay. 
It's okay. I mean, you're not quite going to hell, but you know. <laughs> I'm not a Dallas Cowboy fan. I was, and, and I won't tell you how I got delivered from that. Um, <clears throat> when I was 11 years old. Sorry. I don't even know what I'm a fan of. I think I'm a Packer fan now, so. <laughs> but I think I'm a bandwagon fan. <laughs> I'm going to go with who's winning. But, you know, you get a bunch of Dallas Cowboy fans together and say, what, what is the formula this year to get to the Super Bowl? Here's what we need to do this year. And you can have some people that are like, you know, oh, we, I think we need to run the ball more. We've got to pound Elliot, you know, down and just run him. You know, oh, what we need to do is we need some, you know, somebody else to say, oh, we need some more variety in their plays. We're getting too, we're getting too formulaic. They're figuring out our, our, our thing. It's like, oh, we need, to, we need to roll Dak out. We need Dak to get on the move and be rolling out a little bit more, gives him, gives him some time to throw. See, I do know some football. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, oh, we, need to, we need to just stack the defense, you know. We need to play this guy, we, and we need to stop playing this guy. Everybody's going to have a different opinion. You have your own opinion. We're never going to be in unity about what exactly the Cowboys should do to get it right this year. But you're all in unity about one thing, right? You want the Cowboys to win the Super Bowl, except for the two Packer fans here. <laughs> But you have unity because you have a big picture that you are all going for. You might have a different opinion of how we're going to get there. That's what unity looks like. We got the big picture that we're going for. As, as believers in Jesus, we want to see Jesus glorified. We can find a hundred different opinions about how it's going to happen, but let's work together on the big picture. Let's, when we see God do something, let's cheer together. Let's, let's, let's rejoice together. Let's come together as the people of God, as the church of Jesus Christ, and go, yeah, that's what we're about. We want to see that happen. We're not going to fight over, you know, I think this needs, I need to think this, no, I think this, I think this. We can opinionate ourselves to death. Let's have dialogue and let's learn and let's grow and let's not be so right that we can't hear something else and change. But the big picture is still the same. We want to see Jesus glorified and I want, we want to see every, every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every ethnic group, every economic group, every personality group in the kingdom of God coming together to meet Jesus. That's what unity is. The same goal. In Luke chapter 14, switch gears one more time. It says this. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, He was being carefully watched, and there in front of Him was a man suffering from dropsy. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him away. And then Jesus asked them, if any one of you has a son or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull him out? And they had nothing to say. One of the challenges, one of the keys that I heard about walking in love is this. We have to let go 
of our religious and judgmental mindsets. I'll be careful. (laughs) You know, the Pharisees were really good at pointing out what was wrong. I mean, that's, that's really, really the definition of a Pharisee is spending your life finding the wrong things other people are doing and pointing them out. So you can ask yourself, am I a Pharisee? Am all I, am all I doing talking about, oh, they're doing this, they're doing that. Can you believe that that's going on here and there? You're a Pharisee. You're concerned with condemning people. You're concerned with what's wrong with people. That's the definition of a Pharisee. You've got religion too. So that really makes you a Pharisee because you've got, oh yeah, I love Jesus. But all I'm about is condemning what's wrong in someone else. A little little quiet in here, isn't it? (laughs) A little quiet here. John 7 and 23 says this. Uh, Jesus is again arguing with the Pharisees. The Pharisees love to argue too. Did you notice that? That might be another sign of a Pharisee is they just like to argue about things. They like to, man, you're wrong. Let me t- show you what's up. We're gonna, I'm going to show you what's going on. I'm not talking about having honest dialogue and sharing and listening. and That's what we want. And Jesus is arguing, you know, He's, he's having to, to argue with these Pharisees and talk back with them. It's like, uh, he says in John seven twenty three. Now if a child can be circumcised on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing the whole man on the Sabbath? So this is another encounter, but he's, he's done it so many times he can talk about it. Stop judging by mere appearances and make a right judgment. You know, it's so easy. We judge by appearance so much. And one of the challenges, this couple was a great example, and they talked about this, is like, they said, we show up, we're not there to condemn people. We're not there to tell them what's wrong with them. You know what? If someone is in bondage or something, they know it's wrong. They don't need to be told what's wrong with their life. Most of us are aware of what's going wrong. Most of us are aware when we're not, man, I'm being a, I'm a really terrible dad. I can't spend time with my kids. I'm just so distracted. I just am drawn to, I'm watching, I'm watching sports or my TV show or I'm on my phone. I'm not, I'm not interacting with my kids. I'm not, I'm not giving them my attention. You know, most people are, are aware of like, oh, I just can't, you know, I, I just fight with my wife. I just can't get along. We, I, just, I, just, I blow up at her and say things I don't want to say. It's like, I know what's wrong. You talk to the guy who's a drug addict on the street. Man, he, does, he knows he's, that's not a good life. They know that they want to get rescued from that. They don't need someone to come and condemn them and say, hey, here's what's wrong with you. And so they come with love. They come with with the love of Jesus that says, again, I don't want them to stay where they're at. That's not the goal. The goal is deliverance. The goal is freedom. The goal is salvation. The goal is love to be released. But it's not going to happen if I'm not sharing the heart of the Father. Man, I have... I have so many things where I judge by just mere appearance. You know, we all have people, if you see someone that's 
way different than you. Walking down the street, you get a thought in your head. You get a thought of, oh man, what's that person? And then sometimes you find out, oh man, you're like, oh golly, can you believe what's happening to people? Can you believe the way young people dress? Can you believe this or that? And we're, we're just condemning. doesn't mean we think it's right. We're not saying we have to let go of truth. We're saying my first step is not condemnation and judgment. You know, in John 3.16, you remember that, that verse? It's a great verse. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish or not die, but have eternal life or everlasting life, whichever translation. There's another verse after it. <laughs> Did you know that? There's, a, there's a John 3.17. John 3.17 says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Why were, why were, the, why were all the sinners attracted to Jesus? He didn't condemn them. He didn't come to condemn them. Did he tell them to stop sinning? Yeah, he met the woman, caught in adultery. He said, I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more. But she knew that he loved her. She knew that Jesus was for her. She knew that Jesus loved her and was, was reaching out to her and not pushing her away. When we come with judgment and condemnation, whether we're right or not, we push people away. We tell someone, you don't have a place at the table. You don't belong. People are already struggling with not belonging. That's why they're acting so crazy. Because they don't have anywhere where they belong. When Jesus is saying, you belong with me. You belong in my family. Come on in. Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world. He came into the world to save the world. I'm just challenging you with how I was challenged. Man, it, you know, I, I've told this story before. Um, and hopefully someday I'll have a, a new story where, where I'm like the doing the right thing. <laughs> someday I'll give that testimony. Um, this is way back in college, which is now a long time ago. <laughs> You know, I, don't you think 1997 was really not that long ago? It's, it's been 20 years, people. Some of you are like, 97? I wasn't born yet, right? Some of you are born in the new, in the new millennium. So, we uh, went to McDonald's, and uh, there were these, like, gangbanger guys in the lowered vehicle, you know, with the music blasting. Um, they were totally different than I was with a bunch of uh, white Bible college students. <laughs> and we were just there talking, and those guys, for some reason, we kind of just looked over because the music was blasting, they had the windows down, and this, this, the dude in the driver's seat, he looked like a bad dude, and I wouldn't want to meet him in a dark alley. I mean... I wouldn't want to meet him in a lighted alley. <laughs> I mean, at that time, I weighed less than I do now. I mean, you think I'm skinny now? <laughs> Should have seen me when I was 18. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, these guys were... And so the guy starts screaming at us from the drive-thru in McDonald's. 
There's enough new people here who haven't heard the story. I love it. I look out and go, a lot of you haven't heard this story before. This is awesome. So immediately I'm thinking, oh man, this is gonna get this is gonna get dicey here. Uh you know, we were in San Dimas, but we're in LA. We're thirty miles east of LA. So we're like, this is the city. Not not nice old Midland, okay? Nothing like this happens in Midland, right? Okay. Um and so this guy starts cussing and yelling at us. I'm like, oh man, I'm glad he's stuck in the drive-thru right now. <laughs> you can tell there's a couple other guys with him. And so one of the guys that's with us just has like, I think God just gave him the right word. And I think it was my, my friend Joe. And he goes, hey man, we like your car. And he's like, oh, okay. So he totally calmed down instantly. Again, we didn't really like this car. Okay, we probably didn't, whatever. I mean, it was, I don't, Honda Civic, you know, 1992. It's okay. And uh, it was hopping, you know. You ever have those people drive by you? What are you thinking? What do you think? Oh, can you believe that? Hey, what if we thought... Jesus, get a hold of that person. I'm serious. I'm thinking it too. But what if we thought, oh, can you believe they're playing the radio that loud? What if we thought, oh man, God loves that person. I can feel it right now in my car. I feel it more than their bass, rap, hip-hop music that I don't like. (laughs) What if I had the love of God beating in my heart so strongly that it didn't matter what was happening on the outside. That I had love coming out because I had the love of God. So anyway, those guys drive around and we start chatting with them. We have nothing in common with these guys. One of the guys named Chris there, he, he got to the driver and he begins, he begins speaking the truth of God to this guy. He begins loving him. He begins pouring. He begins prophesying to him. And this guy is crying. In the parking lot of McDonald's. If I wouldn't have had guys with me that could see past the outside. To see an opportunity for the love of Jesus. We would have missed loving on that guy. I didn't do anything. Just stood there. Whoa. (laughs) But hey, here's the deal. If the... The next time that happens, you're just the one there standing there going, whoa, next time, just be the one that steps out and obeys whatever Jesus is telling you to do. Come on up, babe. I don't know where that microphone is. It's up there somewhere. My wife's going to kind of lead us into communion here. And uh, we're going to close with that. You know, the thing about unity is unity and uniformity are not the same thing. You can have unity without uniformity. So we can have people in the kingdom with us sitting in the pew next to us who look totally different, who drive the low rider and listen to the music, but who are for the kingdom. 
And there's something about the spirit of unity that will propel the kingdom and multiply it significantly faster and quicker when the church comes together in a spirit of unity. But we will not get there if we look through the eyes of condemnation, if we allow ourselves to just drift with what is normal. You're never going to drift towards likeness. You're never just going to drift towards advancing the kingdom of God because we drift towards our flesh, towards our earthly desires. The kingdom of heaven is so full of diversity. God loves it. He loves watching people. He created you. He created everyone. He created every race. He created us to have different likes, different passions. And his ultimate desire is to watch us link arms, arm in arm, advancing the kingdom forward across this globe, across this city. And when you are in unity with the people next to you, if you can just have that picture of, of being linked arm in arm, then when you're weak, everyone carries you. And then when I'm feeling weak, I'm depending on the people that I'm linked arms with to carry me. And that's the picture of what the body of Christ is supposed to look like. But the body of Christ sometimes has gotten so disjointed that we're only linked arms with the people that are like us. And then, you know, when you're feeling weak, I'm like, dude, I got to keep going. You're too heavy. Like, I can't carry you. I mean, I don't work out like him. I mean, Bethany can carry him. She's a beast. But that's kind of our mindset sometimes. When the reality is, is the kingdom of God will multiply significantly when we stay linked with the rest of the body of Christ. And when we invite people who don't look like us and don't act like us to link up with us. Listen, we could reach, we can reach a gangster. But how do you think God is going to reach all the rest of the gangsters? He's going to need a gangster to be on God, on his team. You know what I'm saying? How, how is God going to reach our police department? He's going to need men and women on our police department who are all in for the kingdom of heaven, taking the department for Christ. And so if we can see the one and we can link with them and say, let's do this thing together. Let's have a spirit of unity amongst each other. You know, we can even talk about, yeah, it's so easy to condemn. Some of you are like, it's not, it's not as hard for me. I have a lot of compassion for people who aren't saved. See, you can't expect an unsaved person to act like a Christian. It's ridiculous. You can't expect an immature person to act like a mature person. Or you will be driven crazy because of a false expectation. So for me, sometimes my hang up is when Christians are acting ridiculous. 
But condemnation is the same, people. My heart towards a Christian who is mature, who's acting immature, is just as wrong as somebody who's condemning the low rider. For God loved the world. For God so loved the world. He loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone, every person on this earth who believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. I want us to go into communion this way. I want us to repent. I'm just having a a call to repentance because I want to live this, this gospel. This is the gospel that the world needs. We are not going to see the world saved through Jesus by walking around condemning them. Church, it is not, it is not our job to judge the world. It is our job to take the undiluted gospel to them. A gospel that's dripping with the love of Jesus. A gospel that's just hinged on compassion and radical love. And maybe I'm the only one in here that needs to repent, but I think probably not. And I just think this is a great way to go into communion because you know what? Communion is about remembering the sacrifice of Jesus and what it was for. We can celebrate in Jesus's blood and what it has done in us. That's why we come to this table. But this morning, I want us to remember what the blood of Jesus did for the world and everyone that's not like you. And I want to call you to something higher, to a spirit of unity first among ourselves, but to to have us fall on our knees before the Lord and say, God, forgive me for thinking that I'm you and taking judgment upon myself, whether against a brother or sister in Christ or against those who are not like me. I repent, God. Forgive me. Clear out the Pharisee in me. Encounter me with your radical love. Do you guys ever just think you need to do that sometimes? 
We just got to do it sometimes. And so what I want us to do, ushers, if you want to come get ready, we're going to pass this out. Try not to spill it on ourselves as we get on our knees. If you're, if you're physically able, I know some of you can't get down on your knees. If you're physically able, I ask you to just take, take the position on your knees. We're going to take communion this way. It's going to be a little different today. If you're a guest with us, please feel free to, to partake of communion. You don't have to be a member of this church to, to take our communion. So as you get, as you get your elements, if it's easier for you to already be on your knees, uh, the ushers will work with you. They're awesome. But I just, I, I just want this time of us remembering Jesus's sacrifice to just be a sweet time of just saying, God, we're, we're going to repent. And then we're just going to take this together. just returning to the gospel. I'm just going to I'm just going to pray in the microphone. Just kind of a prayer of repentance, but from where you're standing, put words to what's in your heart. Where God is speaking to you. And as soon as I get done praying, we're just going to take the bread and the cup together just in unity this morning. God, we come before you just humble and on our knees, God, in repentance to say, forgive us. Forgive us for a heart of condemnation towards any of your people. Any of your children, God, forgive us for getting so caught up in the news on one side or the other. Lord, forgive us. Lord, we repent for not seeing the people who are so different than us. 
through eyes of condemnation rather than compassion. God, would you clear out the Pharisee in our heart? As we reconnect with you this morning, God, just begin to baptize us in love. Give us eyes of compassion and love to see people who are different than us through that lens, to see people even who are wrong. God, I I don't want to get caught up even in condemning like the racist bigots who lead ridiculous rallies. That's still your job. Let, let me see them through your eyes of compassion and you calling them saying, you're just weeping over these people because you want them to do something different. Help us be people who understand that loving and having compassion is not the same as agreeing. That unity is not about agreement. That it's about our heart. And God, us as Living Way Foursquare Church, we want to walk in one accord, advancing your kingdom in the city of Midland. We want to see your kingdom multiply and have its way in Midland, Texas, as it is in heaven. We want to see heaven released to every part of this city. To the big wigs whose God is money. Down to the homeless drug addict on the street. We want to see your kingdom advance here. And we will be a part of it. And we will do it with love. As we take our communion, God, I just pray for a renewed perspective. I pray that you would surprise us, that some of us are going to walk out. We're going to see people like we, we won't even be able to choose. You're just going to like put a, a pair of glasses on us, like heaven glasses, like love glasses, where we just see people and we just, we just burst with love and compassion for them. Thank you for supernaturally changing our hearts and our perspectives this morning. Help us not get so caught up in what the world is about. Let us be something different. Someone different. Let us look like Jesus. Thank you, God, that you sent your one and only son because of your radical love for us. That whosoever believes in you will not perish but have everlasting life. I thank you that you sent your son to this world not to condemn it, but to save it. We partner with that mission. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. You guys are free to go. Go in love today and the rest of the week. Uh, This doesn't just have to be a Sunday thing. The idea is that it bleeds into our lives on Monday and Tuesday and Friday. Just press into Jesus and let him change you. Uh, Ladies that are going to the retreat, if we can have a little huddle up here, uh, that would be great.